I was upset. I didn't think I had what it takes. It took a while to admit anything was wrong. Diet and exercise sounded intimidating. But small easy goals made it easy to start. Every situation is different. There are many paths to victory, but the end goal is all the same. This is the Weight Loss Podcast with Matt and Courtney, a couple who committed to a strategy and lost a combined 100 kilograms. When it comes to weight loss, you don't just need encouragement, you need a strategy. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Weight Loss Podcast. My name is Courtney and thanks so much for tuning in. Next to me, as always, is Matt. Hello there. And this week we are so excited to bring to you why diets fail. So three simple words, but these days they're not quite so simple to understand. So the health and fitness industry has just gone bananas and there are, I don't know, Matt, how many diets out there these days, you would say? Countless. It's unbelievable, the amount of diets and just the amount of noise in general. There's probably five new diets since we started recording this episode, (laughs) let's be fair. I think so. So... The word diets is just, it, who knows what it really means these days. There's so much out there. There's so much noise. So why do they fail? Those three words, they become they become really less simple. And our aim for this podcast today is to really break it down and to clarify some things for you. So, Matt. Courtney. Why do diets fail? Well, let's look at this. So, obviously, they're... Uh, more diets never before. There's more gyms getting around. There's more personal trainers. There's more money being sunk into weight loss than ever before. It's a growing industry. Yet, still most people aren't changing. So you've got these humongous gyms with well massive member lists of which 80% of those members don't go. Yeah. And then 95% of the members that do go are frustrated because they don't change. Now, obviously, there's also the perception that in order to lose a bit of weight, we need to do something pretty drastic. And ideally, things will change fast. So that's why we talk about diets. Now, obviously, you listening to this, chances are you've been on a diet. I know Courtney and I have. Yeah. I know all of our clients have in the past, yet... There's a bit of a a common thread between people that continue to go on diets. They're the same people that, well, why are they dieting in the first place? Because the previous ones didn't work. So Courtney and I are here for this episode to explain exactly why diets fail, to shed a little bit of light on on how this actually works and how a a true long-term transformation and, and weight loss journey actually works. So let's, well, let's get right into it. Yeah. When people start their their journey, they might start their, their exercise program, they'll start their, their new way of eating, they'll start their new life, they will fixate on an outcome. So the outcome might be, I want to lose 20 kilos, I want to lose 25 kilos, I want to lose three or four dress sizes which is fine, except then they're fixated on the outcome and then immediately will launch into something unsustainable. Mm. So you'll have someone that wants to lose their 20, 25 kilos and they haven't been to the gym in, I don't know, 5, 10, 15 years, maybe never. 
And they immediately launch into a five, six, seven day a week intense training program. And they will then obviously cut back on the amount of food that they eat. And then, you know, after a while you start exercising, you get pretty comfortable with the routine. Okay, I'm doing I'm doing some weights here and there. I'm doing a couple of these aerobics classes at the gym. It's all going well. Okay, so the next step is what do I eat? And that's where Google will come into play. And anyone out there that has typed how to lose weight into Google will see there is about 100,000 responses that come back over hundreds and hundreds of search pages. So all of a sudden, you're doing some research, quote unquote, online, and some fantastic sounding article will give you all the ins and outs on weight loss. Cut this, cut that, do this, do that. And it sounds pretty good. It sounds reasonable until you read the next article, which sounds just as reasonable and just as good, but says to do the exact opposite. So all of a sudden, we're bombarded with all this overwhelming, conflicting information, which just confuses people, hence the term noise. We're bombarded with noise. And the question that people then will ask themselves is, well, where in the hell do I start with this? That is a fantastic question. So let's talk about metabolism. Metabolism. I think that's a great place where we can start. And why don't you talk to us a bit, Matt, about how it works? Well, the metabolism, our our metabolism is a very complex, well, series of of chemical reactions, uh, billions of chemical reactions that occur every second in our body. When the scope of this podcast isn't to get into into the science of how the metabolism works at a at a molecular level. That's not what we do. But in terms of you listening now, and for us as normal people, or abnormal in Courtney's case, <laughs> as as us us normal people, the your metabolism basically determines three things. It determines how you look, which is body composition. So body composition is muscle and fat. So the first thing it determines is how much muscle you're going to have and how much fat you're going to have, or ideally not have. Have, yes. The second thing that the metabolism will determine is how you function. So your day your day-to-day function. Do you feel and do you perform at a high level? So how are your energy levels through the day? You know, do you get through each day without getting to 3 p.m. and then crashing at your keyboard at the desk? Mm. The third thing that the metabolism determines is how you feel, which is your health. Do you wake up each day feeling healthy, energetic, strong, capable of doing what you need to do as part of your daily life? So as a quick little recap there, the metabolism determines how you look, how you function, how you feel. And that right there is what's going to to determine the success or lack thereof, of someone's weight loss attempt, which is creating the correct metabolism. So permanent long-term success with weight loss, well, it's a byproduct of the correct metabolism, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And I love how that's broken down into those three main points. It makes it a lot easier to understand. So going on from there, in regards to our metabolism, how do we break that down further? Okay, well... 
in terms of again talking about the the normal person, so you listening and myself and, and, and the abnormal person being Courtney. <laughs> that's the last of my Isaac joke, I promise. I'm not gonna kill it. So every day we know that we expand energy as a result of being human beings. We expand energy as that's how we live. Okay. So the metabolism helps to determine how that is broken down. And this is where things get interesting because the common perception out there is, well, if you want to lose weight, you've got to keep doing more and more and more exercise. Mm. And that's the, the trap that I fell into when I was younger, doing up to three, hour, three hours a day of exercise and wondering why it wasn't working. Mm. So in terms of the actual energy expenditure that comes from exercise via your metabolism, the amount of exercise you do each day will burn off about 17% of your daily energy, which is not much at all. Yet such a massive emphasis is placed on, on the importance of exercise. Yeah, it's important, but it's a stimulus. There are so many people out there that think they're changing while they're exercising. No, they're not. Exercise is the stimulus that drives the change when you are not exercising. So you're looking at 17% of the energy or the calories that you burn each day comes from exercise, not as much as you would think. And that's where people make the mistake of using exercise as a trade-off. So let's say we've had a, a big night out. We've had a couple of drinks. And as a result of being maybe a little bit tipsy, we've then gone to line up for some kebabs. Or some, uh, some street pizza or the 24-hour McDonald's and we've gone and gotten ourselves a nice hamburger and some fries, but it's all right. We'll burn it off on Monday. We'll burn it off at the gym tomorrow. It's okay. We'll, we'll make up for it. Mm, not quite. The issue there is, let's say we're training as hard as we can. The most intense exercise possible, we are going to burn at most... 10 calories a minute, which is not much. And let's say that just recently we had a nice hamburger and large fries combination from your favorite fast food establishment. It might be a 700 calorie meal. Now, burning this off, you're going to be exercising pretty damn hard, as hard as you can nonstop for 70 minutes. Good luck with that. I do well lasting 10 minutes at full intensity. Most people do. So the idea of exercise being a trade-off, well, it's, it's unsustainable, isn't it? Because if the human body's only burning a finite amount of energy during exercise, how are you going to burn off the food you've had? Let alone if you're having multiple meals through the day that are, let's say, less than ideal. You aren't going to burn it off tomorrow. So that's not going to work. So we know that a big mistake people make is, and this is where diets will fail, they will use exercise as a trade-off. does not work that way. No, and fantastic points there. So if we're talking about percentages, so we've just gone over exercise map being 17% of the energy we use each day. What about eating? What about eating What indeed? about eating? So obviously this goes back to the common perception with Weight loss, we must exercise more, we must eat less. Mm, maybe not. 
So if exercise is burning 17% of our energy each day, eating is actually burning around 12%. That's right. You expend energy eating food. Your body expends energy breaking it down and absorbing it. You burn calories by ingesting them. To the tune of 12% of your energy expended each day comes from the food that you eat. Now, that's actually not a massive difference versus exercise, is it? No. Exercise 17%, eating 12%. That that statistic tends to catch a lot of people by surprise. Like, oh, I almost burn as much energy each day from eating as I do from exercising. Yeah, you do. Yeah, you do. And that's another reason where the diets will fail is that they will tell us to cut. Cut carbs. Cut calories. Oh, cut the fats. Fats aren't good for you. Oh, no, no, cut protein. Go less protein. Protein's not good for you. Cut red foods. Cut green foods. Cut yellow foods. Cut, cut, cut. So people start to cut down on the amount of food they eat. And all of a sudden, we're running at a... This ties back to what Courtney and I were saying last week, or the week before, sorry, with the six secrets of a successful transformation. People cut so much that they're not getting enough food in to support the training that they're doing. And they wonder why nothing is actually changing. So if eating food each day determines 12% of our energy expenditure and someone is exercising a bit more, wouldn't that then necessitate we probably need to be eating more food? Mm. Especially the good food because good unprocessed natural foods is very, let's we call it calorie sparse. Yes. Which means you've got to get a bulk of it in. And just as a side note, on the show notes page of this episode at theweightlosspodcast.com, cheap plug, <laughs> I'll be putting up there a link to what we call a calorie awareness slideshow, which, which gives a breakdown of various fast food meals and their energy uh, content versus how much real food you would need to eat to replace it. So you will have, for example, a picture of a cheeseburger at 300 calories versus how many different types of vegetables and how much of it you need to get to replace that 300 calories. It is alarming. Oh, it is definitely mind-blowing to actually visually see it. I think everybody knows common sense-wise that it would be different, but when you actually see it in front of you, uh, it's a it's a it's a really big um, yeah. So I'll um, so I'll point you to to the weightlosspodcast.com, Look at the show notes page for the episode and look at the calorie awareness slideshow, and hold on to your seat because it's uh, it's absolutely an eye opener. So if we've got people that are being told via their diet to cut and cut and cut, what we're not being told is replace. Yes. Because the body needs energy to survive. And if these diets are telling us, we'll have less, have less, have less, there's a, there's a tipping point where you're going to feel like shit mm. and you're hungry and you're starving and you're upset. And all of a sudden, where does that tend to lead things to? Emotional eating. The binge. Yes. The bounce back. So moving on, the, um, the biggest reason that diets fail is that they don't address 
what we call the elephant in the room. So if we know, looking at the way our metabolism works, that 17% of the energy we use each day comes from exercise, 12% comes from eating, what are we looking at after that? Well, that's a fantastic question, Matt, because that was going to be my next question for you, which is we've just gone over exercise and eating, as you said. So that obviously doesn't come close to finishing our our chart of expenditure each day. Well, yeah. So where does the rest of the percentage come from? Well, about 5% of the energy we burn each day comes from our body temperature. Yes. So we call that thermic effect. So... You know, our internal temperature is nice and warm, that's going to heat off and burn off the energy. That's about 5%, which is not much. No. In fact, not really worth worrying about, which leaves about, I don't know, 66% left unaccounted for. It's a big chunk there. It is a, it's actually a overwhelmingly large chunk. It's the biggest chunk of the, of the way the metabolism works. What is that? Well, simple. It is the one thing that the diets don't tell you about and they don't address. Muscle mass, 66% of the energy we burn each day comes from the amount of skeletal muscle tissue on our body. And by that, I don't necessarily mean let's get jacked up like big bodybuilders, but it plays a humongous role in the way our metabolism works. And I think that was a massive eye-opener for me when I first learned all this that 66% of this was made up of muscle. So you just said then, Matt, that it's muscle mass. So why does muscle mass matter? Well, simple. The more you've got, the more energy you're going to burn off and the more fat you're going to burn. So this is where it goes back to before with body composition that I mentioned, more muscle, less fat. It's easier to drop, uh, drop fat mass as you build muscle mass. Now... If you're a female listening to this, don't worry. I'm not talking about getting arms the size of mine. No. <laughs> However, for most people, they're doing well as they get older to preserve what they've got, let alone build just a little bit more to improve body shape, to improve our metabolic function, to improve our immune system, etc. And ultimately, that's why muscle mass matters because it determines above all else and more than anything else, how much energy we are going to be expending through the course of each day. Awesome. So that has covered our metabolism really well. Moving on to what I think holds a lot of people back, which are habits. So how do habits play a role in this? Well, there's a simple rule. Um, most people will think that, oh, if I want to get in shape, if I want to lose a bit of weight, my nutrition has to get better. I just have to eat better. It's all about the food. Food's my problem. Actually, no, it's not your problem. Your problem are your habits. The secret to good nutrition and the, the overwhelming rule that we're looking at here is habits will always beat intentions. I love that saying. Well, so I love it too because it's true. It is. It's 100% true. So I wonder if you can relate, because I know Courtney and I can, where you start your new program you start your new path to being the best version of yourself and two weeks later you're back to doing what you're doing in the first place aka habits 
Yes. What's the point of worrying about the food that we're eating, the exercise that we're doing, whatever diet we're following, if all we're going to do long-term is slip back into the bad old habits that got us where we didn't want to be in the first place? So maybe the thing that we're looking at and a humongous reason why diets fail is that they don't address habits. If you address a person's habits, aka the bad habits that work against them, well, if you don't address them and turn them into the good habits that will work for us, long-term, how is this going to be sustainable? Yeah. So if you're doing your U-Butte you seven-day juicing detox or your 28-day shred, what happens after that? You go back to normal except the normal is the bad habits that made you do the diet in the first place. Yes. So we're looking here at what, what I call a bit of a diet treadmill. So we have bad habits that lead us to looking and feeling like shit and we're unhappy. Let's go on a diet to address it. Great, I just lost five kilos in two weeks. I'm now going to go back to what I was doing two weeks ago. And the weight comes back on. And the cycle begins again. And every time we go to lose the weight that we previously lost and found again, it gets just a little bit harder each time. You may have found that yourself as you've gotten older. If you've been on repeated weight loss attempts, it might be getting a little bit harder as you get older because it does. Unfortunately, it's part of the aging process and a byproduct of damaging your metabolism from repeated diets. There's an issue there. So... You look at, when it comes to habits, well, let's look at us here in Australia. What is what is the common Australian breakfast? The normal Australian breakfast? Well, the quote-unquote, I think, normal Australian breakfast you would find would be things like toast with butter and Vegemite or peanut butter. Then you've also got the abundance of cereals these days on the market so you know gone are the days where you'd walk through the cereal aisle and there was only a handful of choices it is the whole aisle now it is it's almost two aisles now it's so it's so large in terms of the amount of options you have in terms of cereals so i tend to find you know you might put oats in there as well but i tend to find that the the quote-unquote normal australian breakfast especially for children would be cereal and maybe some toast as well yep and this is where habits will start from when we're younger. So I know for me, my breakfast habit, well, when I first started, I didn't have breakfast. Then when I started having breakfast, it would be bacon and egg McMuffins and hash browns. And well, to, you know, the healthy choice was orange juice, mm. a healthy liquid mm. to go with my bacon and eggs. Then when I thought I was being a bit more health conscious, my, my normal breakfast became 15 wheat bix yeah, that's 15, one, five. Yeah, three bowls. Just in case you were thinking you misheard, <laughs> Matt. No, 15. No, 15. Uh, where these days my normal breakfast would be possibly an omelette packed with vegetables and salad uh, or some chicken and vegetables, beef. Beef stew. Steak. Steak, vegetables. Fish. So the normal has changed over time, but the... You know, you look at the average Australian breakfast, it's just processed crap. And this is just the start of the day. 
And this sort of a thing will extend out through the course of the day. So here in Australia, for so many of us, our best meal of the day is dinner. Yes. Which will be steak and three veg. Because lunch usually consists of a sandwich. A sandwich or whatever is in the uh, tea room at the office. Yeah, muffin. Muffin. A healthy muffin. Organic. (laughs) Yes. But that's generally where the habits, as you said, Matt, start with when we're younger and we have a cereal for breakfast. We have a white sandwich with butter, veg, uh, mm. you know, Vegemite and cheese for lunch. And then we come home and we have, as you said, the steak and three veg. The steak and three veg for, for dinner. Yep, and that's it. And this is um, this goes back to what I was saying before in terms of why the diets fail is they don't address your habits. The habits that have been holding you back for years need to be changed. That's and that's uncomfortable. That's hard. That's challenging. It can lead to tears. I know it has for Courtney. It did for me. Oh, absolutely. It's confronting and they come back quite easily. Well, well they're habits. Yeah, and, they are. You know, it's scientifically proven that any sort of habit like this is, is ingrained in a bit of a loop. Yep. So if a, um, if a diet isn't addressing how you look, how you function, how you feel, and isn't helping you to reprogram your habits, it's doomed. It is doomed. So what I say out there to yourself, and a good reminder for Courtney and I, is that isn't it going to be a more sustainable approach long-term to try and fix things permanently Mm. as opposed to a short-term fix that might net you a bit of a weight loss over the course of a month until it comes back with interest two months later and the cycle begins again. And that is why diets fail. That is why diets fail. So what's the secret here? What's the catch? Well, let's look at this. Let's say you are, you've made the decision. I'm going to change. I've had enough. I want to look my best. I want to feel my best. I'm sick of the 3 p.m. crash. I want to keep up with my kids. I want to grow old and have a, a high quality of life. I want to keep my independence as I get older. Well, there's four things to look at here. There's four things that's going to help this really stick. The first one, well, I mean, Courtney and I have said this a thousand times, and this is going to be the 1,001st because it never stops being the truth. You've got to find your why. Step one is finding the powerful, emotional, personal reason why you want to change. I'm sure Courtney can back me up on this. I'm going to keep saying this on blue in the face. If you haven't found the reason why you want to change, you aren't going to change. 100%. It, to me, it is as simple as that. Literally. If you don't want to do it, deep down, you ain't going to do it. No. There's no point overthinking it. Don't waste your time. Don't waste your money. Yeah, don't waste the effort. Step one is find your why. Step two, well, we want to make sure that good choices are consistently available. And this ties into what I was saying before about habits beating intentions. So if someone's intention is to lose four dress sizes and every week they are consistently putting poor choices into their shopping trolley, well, how's that going to work? Mm. Because all of a sudden, 
you've got poor choices that are consistently available, you're going to be making those poor choices because simple rule, if it's nearby, you will eat it. Simple as that. Absolutely. And I think that is a really big, really big one for a lot of mums and dads out there Mm. who will then turn around and say, well, I have to buy certain foods for my kids. Mm -hmm. So the answer there is... Don't. Don't. (laughs) That is it. Don't buy them. If you do buy certain treats for your children, you doesn't mean you have to eat them. So it still goes down to make sure you have good choices available because you have to still make sure that you have choices in the fridge that you will eat. Well, let's look at this. Uh, I'll give an example uh, for Courtney and I. So Courtney and I, as you would probably know by now, we used to be fairly overweight. And that's a byproduct of the terrible choices that we made when we were younger. And anyone anyone that has lost a good amount of weight and has you know made progress over the course of their of their life will tell you that yes, you've made you've made progress, you look better, you feel better, etc. There is still some baggage that comes along for the ride. I know for me, for example, my love for chocolate hasn't changed one bit. My love for ice cream hasn't changed one bit. Nope. Courtney's love for Nutella <laughs> hasn't changed one bit. Nope. <laughs> uh, or peanut butter cups. Oh, just anything chocolate, anything. peanut butter related. <laughs> uh, so so these, these things that we used to love that helped contribute to our poor health and our poor body shape, the love's still there. So then how do we keep this a sustainable thing over time? Simple. We get we have our victories every time we go shopping. Yes. So the the progress that we make is so often determined by what does and often does not go into our trolleys. So this rule about making sure that good choices are consistently available, that applies to us just as much as it applies to yourself and to anyone. If we were to let these treats creep into our shopping trolley each week, all of a sudden that consistency starts to go away. Moving on, the um, the third tip I want to give in terms of you know the, the real secret to making this stick is that approach this in terms of I'm trying to build a new lifestyle. I'm trying to build a lifestyle that is sustainable, that is rewarding and enjoyable and pleasurable, not a chore. Which is what the the idea of a diet really stands for these well, days, isn't it? Well, diet means short term. Yes. It means temporary. So how about don't address the short term, address the long term. And that's where the word lifestyle really needs to play a bigger role than yeah. the word diet. Well, it does. And it is a cliche because I've heard many people will say, oh, yeah, it's not a diet. It's supposed to be a lifestyle. Yeah, you know what? That's fucking true. It is. That's the truth. And that's how it has stuck for Courtney and I, is that we have been working so hard for years now on changing what we do for the rest of our lives. Not what we do for this month, for this fortnight, for this week. It has to be, I've said this a cliche, but it has to be a lifestyle, not a chore. If it's a chore and you think to yourself, I can't do this for the rest of my life, it's going to fail. 100%. However, if you're eating 
and exercising in a way where you say, yeah, you know what? I can keep this up. Oh, you're under a good thing. Mm. You're under a really good thing. And all of a sudden, the enjoyment of the process, the love of the journey starts to become a real factor where you, you well, except for Courtney, you do start to enjoy some of your training. And I, in my case, I love the food I eat. It's getting me more healthy. It's getting me in better shape consistently. It's helping me train harder in the gym and it tastes great. That is what we call sustainable. Yes. And the fourth tip I want to give here, well, it's a big one. Get a good support network. Yeah, that's a huge one. Surround yourself with people that are going to elevate you, not hold you down, but make you better, challenge you to be a better version of yourself. The power of a great support network, well, it's, I mean, we did a whole episode of the podcast on it. Yes. In the early days, Courtney, if you recall. Yes. Um, with Without that support network, most people aren't going to get what they want because it's, well, it's very easy to feel like you're alone and you're the only person going through certain things. When I'll tell you from firsthand experience, anything that you've been through, there are others that are going through the exact same thing. 100%. And surrounding yourself with people that are like-minded, that are also what I would consider high achievers, is going to bring out the best in you. One of my favorite sayings is, you are the average of the five people you associate with the most. And for better or worse, that is the truth. So tip number four, get yourself a fantastic support network. Awesome. Love those four tips, Matt. So let's wrap this up by a quick little recap of why diets fail. Okay. So recapping what we've covered here so far in this episode. So why diets fail? Well, first and foremost, they don't address the way your metabolism works. So they're not going to address how you look, how you function, how you feel. If you're looking at doing some sort of program and you can ascertain it doesn't address one of those three things, it's doomed. Mm. It's going to fail. We know that exercise is somewhat overrated. Is it important? Of course it is. Yes. The importance of it, however, is somewhat overstated where people tend to use it as a trade-off. Don't use it as a trade-off. It's just a tool. Yes. Don't cut calories replace them so rather than cutting things out replace it with better choices and that's where the calorie awareness slideshow is really going to ram that home understand that muscle mass matters if you want to look your best and feel your best you need to address the muscle tissue that's on your body so keeping what you've got if not getting just a little bit more, is going to make a dramatic difference long-term in well, in your whole body, in your whole life, mm. really. And, and finally, as a recap, understand that habits will beat intentions. If any diet you're going to be following doesn't work to address your bad habits, guess what's going to happen? You're going to fall back into those bad habits. Have a guess how Courtney and I know this. We've done it. We've done it. (laughs) Been there, done that. You address your habits, watch what changes. And finally, find your why. Yeah. Find the reason why. Yeah, 100%. And that can't be overstated like enough either. Because again, some people will turn around and say, oh, yes, I know, find your why. But 
you can't not say it because it's the truth. Well, there's one thing between knowing and actually doing. Yes. And quite, put it this way, Courtney and I have worked with countless people now over the course of our careers to this date, and we're going to work with more, no doubt. And the common thread between every single person that we've worked with that hasn't got what they set out to do, their why hasn't been strong enough. Yeah, 100%. And on the other side of the coin, the people that we've worked with, including ourselves, that have had epic results, what do they have in common? Their why is strong. Very strong. It overcomes their lack of motivation because they will do it no matter what. Yes. So find your why. That's the uh, that's the final the final thing is the re- part of the recap there. So I hope that helps. Yeah, I hope you guys enjoyed that. I hope that it was really helpful. We hope it was really helpful. Well, it'd be awkward if it wasn't. Yes, I know that was a lot of information to take in. So we hope that recap at the end there really helped. If there's anything that you would like to us to clarify, if there's any questions that you have, please make sure that you send them through to podcast at the weight loss podcast.com. Are you sure that's it? No. It is. I just <laughs> want to screw sound with you. confident, did I? Podcast at the weight loss podcast.com. You can email us with your uh, feedback and questions. Yes. Or you can contact us through our Facebook page as well. Yes. Facebook. So definitely, please, uh, please, please, please feel free to any questions. Please don't feel like they're stupid questions. Please send them through. Okay, so we did uh, we did have a pretty good email this week uh, come through from Inga. Hello, Inga, who asked us to talk about a bit of detail on the effects that alcohol have when it comes to weight loss. Now, Courtney and I have touched on that from an email well, early on at the, the start of when we first started our show. So rather, Inga, rather than address the email this week, we have decided we're going to do a whole podcast mm-hmm. on alcohol and it is going to shock quite a few people, I think, because I know when I found out um, through through my own studies and my own qualifications what alcohol does, oof, it's rough. So we'll do a whole podcast pretty soon on how alcohol affects weight loss or lack thereof. So that's coming. Absolutely. So keep your ears open. And on that note, I think we'll call it a show. Courtney, high five. We are wrapped. Boom. We are a wrap. So hope this has helped and we'll speak to you soon. See y'all. Get more free tips, listen to previous episodes and contact Matt and Courtney at theweightlosspodcast.com.